This is the Dean's Dissertation, the Cleveland Sports Review and Beyond, with your host, Greg Brinda. All right, well, welcome back to part two of the special Father's Day edition of the Dean's Dissertation. I'm Marielle Brinda, Greg Brinda's daughter, and I'm joined by your host, Greg Brinda. Hello, everybody. Happy Father's Day. Welcome aboard. Welcome to another edition of the Dean's Dissertation. Well, as you know, um, you brought me up to be a very loyal Cleveland sports fan. So today we're going to go through our top three best Cleveland sports moments and our top three worst Cleveland sports moments. Some of them we've shared together. Others we haven't just because I wasn't alive. So let's start with our top three worst moments. And when we did share these moments together, you were always there to lend a helping hand, as always. The dean, the therapist, the guy who's there for you when everything goes wrong. So what's your worst Cleveland sports moment? Well, I think uh, game seven of the 97 World Series might be the worst moment because uh, it was the second time in, in three years that the Indians had gone to the World Series, the first time they faced the Atlanta Braves, and I think everybody was just happy to be there. Uh, they faced a good team that had a great pitching staff. And that great pitching staff shut down a really, really, really good offensive team. But I think everybody was just happy that um, they got to the World Series, the first one since 1954. In fact, uh, the fans were so happy they actually threw a parade after losing the World Series, which is kind of unheard of. But the town was in such a great mood that because the Indians had um, gone to the World Series in 95 and the Browns were leaving. So, so in 97... The Indians were not really that good of a team, but somehow got really hot towards the end and made it to the World Series. In fact, uh, it was a year that Mike Hargrove almost got fired by the management because uh, the Indians were really struggling that year. Plus, they had traded Carlos Baerga, Kenny Lofton was gone, and there was a whole new set of players. But that somehow, some way, they had some dramatic games against the Yankees and the and the Orioles, and ultimately made it to the World Series only to have the lead and only to lose it late when uh, Jose Mesa couldn't protect the lead. And the next thing you know, it goes into extra innings and Charles Nagy gives up the game-winning hit. And that was all she wrote. Although it was in uh, uh, a foreign ballpark, it was in um, the Marlins ballpark, it was very, very depressing. There were people who just uh, were so distraught that the Indians had made it to Game 7 had a chance to really pull it out and ended up losing. That was a really, really tough time for Indians fans. So that may have been the worst moment that I've experienced. It was the first time they've done that, but not the last. No, that, no, that's true. The- <laughs> but um, So you think that moment hurts more than when we basically ruined our lead against the Cubs and watched the Cubs well, we didn't. We, we never let, let the game. We tied the game, but we didn't lead the game. So uh, the Rajay Davis home run tie the game but we didn't lead the game we had a chance to win it but we didn't i mean i guess we were leading in the series and then yeah. the cubs started making right. a comeback yeah and they they you know we, we could have finished it off in chicago but the indians didn't finish it off in chicago and he ended up with the game six and game seven back here in cleveland uh which uh, was weird because so many cubs fans came here so many indians fans gave up their tickets for money that it was essentially a neutral site ball game Half the fans were Cubs fans, half the fans were Indians fans, and I think the nation was rooting for the Cubs because uh, the Cubs had 
gone from uh, 1908 to the present time to to win a World Series. So there was more there was more pain and hardship for Cubs fans. So you would say game, losing Game Seven in '97 was harder for you than losing. Oh yeah, okay. by a lot. Okay. By a lot. What did it? What did it feel? Lot. What did yeah. it feel like, Dad? How upset were you? It was just bad. I was there. It was horrible. It was watching it all <laughs> come down to the last minute. I mean, it was just bad. Mm-hmm. I mean, what are you going to do? I mean, it was just, it was horrible. I was upset as well, but I also was only 12 at the time. So I was probably more upset that you were upset. You know, the Indians still were my team. What's your second worst moment? My second worst moment was uh, the uh, the drive in 86 after the Browns uh took the lead over the Denver Broncos in the AFC championship game and um, and then had a chance to, to, to really get the job done. We saw John Elway uh, drive the length of the field and score the winning touchdown and uh, give the Browns fans a heartbreak. Uh, uh, the Browns had been very good that year. Uh, a lot of a lot of people thought that they were going to go to the Super Bowl. Um, but uh, John Elway thwarted their plans. The Browns played a Marty Schottenheimer pre- uh, prevent defense, and the next thing you know, the the, the great quarterback, and you know, you got to give uh, a tip of your hat to a great quarterback, and John Elway uh, got the job done. And uh, a lot of fans were really, really crushed when that happened. That tied the game, I should say, and then Rich Carlos kicked the game-winning field goal for the Denver Broncos in overtime. So that in itself was just another bad, bad day football-wise for Browns fans because, uh, you know, the Browns had last won a championship in 1964. They were really good in the 60s. They weren't so good in the 70s, and then they had a revival in the mid-80s with Bernie Kosar. But um, three AFC championship games resulted in no victories and no trips to the Super Bowl. Now, would you say back then in the 80s, were you still, was were the Indians still your number one team or did this loss for the Browns hit you harder than anything else that hit you at that time? Uh, the Indians were horrible back then. Uh, so this was, you know, it was really Brownstown. The Browns were really pumped up the fans and it was probably one of the better eras in Cleveland Browns history, the mid eighties with Bernie Kosar. So, you know, with the fans behind the team as they were, and they loved the players, they loved Bernie. It was just a much bigger deal than it has ever been in the last 30 years. Got it. But the, the game seven 97 loss was still harder for you. Yes, it was. Yes, it was. Yes. All right. So let's get to our, you know, third worst moment. What do you think that would be? Can I, can I throw one out there? Go ahead. All right, I think it would be when Jr. forgot the score game one in the last last series for the NBA championship. Well, that was a heartbreaker. You were also uh, done in by the officials who who went and uh, looked at a review of whether LeBron was inside the restricted area and he wasn't even close to the restricted area, which triggered uh, something else which worked against the Cavaliers. Uh, that could have really changed the whole momentum of the series. In fact, there are people, I think, who will go to their grave 20, 30 years from now, maybe longer, who will say that that, that miscue by J.R. Smith really changed everything. Hard to say. You, you don't know. Uh, I'm not going to take anything away from the Golden State Warriors. That's a great basketball team. But sometimes the best can be beaten. And the Cavaliers absolutely had their chance in that game. And, you know, I don't want to say probably, but I think they would have made a much better series than being swept four games to nothing. 
But that really just turned everything upside down. Yeah, and it did hurt. And I would say you brought up a good point because it wasn't all on JR. I just think he was one of the last mistakes that happened during that game. I mean, you're, you're right. Then also George Hill had a chance to make two free throw shots and he missed and one. He only made one, right, yeah. If he would have made the other one, we would be, you know, probably. Well, I, I don't know. I mean, the Golden State Warriors still would have had four seconds left to, you know, try to win it. So yeah, um, but... you don't know. Yeah, you know, I just think there's three three horrible things that went wrong at the at the end of that game that I don't know cut like a knife, Dad. Yes, it did. It cut like a knife. <laughs> but let's get to happier times. So let's just go through, you know, our top three best moments, and let's not start with the number one. Let's start with the number three. And um, you know, I know this was a very happy time for you, as you brought up previously. When the Indians got to the World Series in 1995, and I remember that being such a big deal in the city and going to some of those games and how awesome it was and how happy the, the people of Cleveland were. Well, I mean, it was really a great time in 1995. You know, the Indians had struggled for so long. They had just opened the new ballpark the year before. You had a lot of great players in Jim Tomey and Carlos a great car. You know, it was a great era to have. And uh, you brought in, you know, you had Charles Nagy and Oral Hershiser and Manny and Kenny and, uh, you know, Omar Vizquel. And Sandy Alomar Jr. I mean, it, it just was a really good team. You had a great manager in Mike Cargrove. And all of those things came together. Uh, the season started late because baseball went on strike the year before. Uh, they didn't come back for spring training. Then just prior to the start of the season, they settled. They had another month of spring training. So the Indians only played 144 games that year, and they won 100. That was, that was about as dominant of a baseball team as you would ever see. And they had good pitching. They didn't have great pitching, but they had great hitting and great clutch hitting. And it was a fun team to watch. We complained about three-hour-plus ball games in this era, but back then it was just fun watching because the Indians would either bludgeon you from the first to the ninth inning or late in the game. If they were down, they would come back and score a lot of runs and win games. So it was a really, really fun team to watch. Yes, it was. Who was your favorite player? Or did you have a favorite player? Um, I, I liked Tommy. I liked uh, um, Omar Vizquel. I mean, they, they and Sandy. They they were really really good players. I mean, the the whole team, other than Albert Bell, and you know, how can I forget Albert Bell, who yeah. was a jerk? But I mean, Albert Bell was a great player, man. Home runs, doubles, RBIs. He was the man of the clutch, so everybody liked everybody. Even people liked Albert Bell, even though he was, you know, kind of an asshole. I really liked Kenny Lofton. I liked Omar Vizquel. Sandy Alomar is, after meeting him, he's one of the nicest professional athletes I've ever met. He's a great guy. Yeah, yeah, he really is. He's he's a really, really good guy, still a member of the Indians coaching staff, and hopefully he'll be here for a long, long time. All right, let's get to the number two best moments in Cleveland sports history. Dad, what is it? The 1964 championship game. I was uh, nine years old. I went to visit my cousins in Canton, Ohio. The game then wasn't even shown locally because back then they had rules that no matter if you played at home and even if it was a championship game, you couldn't show it. Even if it was a sellout, you couldn't show it. But you could go away from the city, uh, I think it was 70 miles, and you could pick up another TV station to watch it. And we were fortunate. We were in Canton, Ohio. They were getting a signal out of uh, Steubenville. And uh, lo and behold, I got to watch the Browns championship game live. 
And never in my never in my life did I ever think that that would be the only Browns championship <laughs> game or championship that I would have seen up until this point. If you would have said, Greg, well, you know, that's it. You know, in 2018, <laughs> we'll be doing a show. And from 1964 to 2018, there will never be another Browns championship. I would have said you're absolutely crazy. Well, guess what? It's reality. Hey, who knows? You, we might we might win the Super Bowl this year. Well, I wouldn't go crazy. <laughs> In fact, I would uh, I would go to Las Vegas and bet lots of money that that will not happen. I know. I know. I just like getting you riled up. That's all. All right. So our number one moment, a moment I got to share with you at the station. Actually, we were watching this moment together. And I remember when it happened, you looked absolutely dumbfounded in total disbelief, but also in total joy. And it was such a great moment to share with you. It was when we finally won a championship and broke the long 52-year drought. Yeah, it was great. Uh, The Cavs 2016 in in Oakland and uh, those last few minutes were Kyrie Irving came up big. LeBron James came up big and the Cavaliers did all the right things and no one conspired to take the game away from them. And the uh, Cavaliers came up with a, a championship, uh, uh, the first championship that you know, we had seen in, in in this town since 1964. It was a great night. I think I think it was even better a few days later when we had the parade. Uh, <laughs> and when a million, taking when his shirt a, off, yeah. Yeah, when a million people, a million people came to downtown Cleveland to celebrate a championship team. You know, as great as that night was to win it, and I'm not going to take anything away from that night, but to watch that parade and be a part of that parade was second to none. I mean, that was just that was the culmination of about three days of just everyone being happy and and glad to be a Cleveland sports fan. When you say it's the culmination of, you know, 50 years of waiting and it was like uh, all the happiness crammed together in downtown Cleveland. And yeah. It was it was fantastic. It really was. And the Indians were actually playing that day. And yes, uh, a lot of times they had a little bit of trouble just getting to the ballpark because they had all the roads closed off. And I don't think anybody would have ever imagined that you would get that many people to watch a, a parade. But it happened. And if it ever happens again, uh, another basketball or an Indians or a Browns, uh, you might even get more people to watch a parade than you saw two years ago when the Cavaliers won the championship. Well, that was a pretty awesome day. I'll never forget it. I was so happy I got to be there with you, Dad. The number one dad. Um, Cleveland's, you know, longest-running radio sports personality. So, happy Father's Day. Thank you, dear. Happy Father's Day to everybody. And uh, let's hope that uh, one of these Father's Days will be uh, celebrating yet another championship. Hopefully. Keep your fingers crossed. (laughs) We've got time. You've been listening to The Dean's Dissertation, the Cleveland Sports Review and beyond. Subscribe, rate, and return for more with The Dean.